Designer. My name is Jake Van Ness, and I'm here with my co-host, Carl, from Holy Carp Design. How are you doing, Carl? Afternoon, Jake. It's been a while. Yes, it has been a while. We've uh, been rather busy with, vac- well, not really vacation, but holidays for Thanksgiving here in the U.S., and then I was traveling a bunch with family to uh, help take care of my mom, who had surgery, and I was on the road quite a bit in November for that, so that's why we haven't had too many shows, but we're getting back on it now. And let's just jump right into it. So what do we have for design news? Well, you and I should have had a hot mic session while we were taking this survey um, (laughs) because some of the questions were pretty interesting. Uh, There's a survey from Adobe and Eco Consultancy. This is a 2019 digital trend survey um, where the kind of trying to ask questions about what our clients are looking for, what they're driving towards for digital trends. Now, I said to myself, what is a digital trend? And so we clicked on the survey and we both took it concurrently, kind of responding to these questions. And obviously, my digital trends are going to be different than yours. For me, it's all my thought process is what is digital trends within the learning space right? Um, and how that kind of goes. Uh, how, how was your experience with it? Yeah, it was interesting because obviously being a majority of my business being print marketing, it is interesting to take this type of survey and to look at how things are changing a little bit. And they have always been changing since I've been in the industry to more digital. And I think it was funny we were talking about, well, what is personalization in digital and I think that there's twofold on that. It's the personalization, much like print, where you actually put somebody's name or their business name in an email campaign or when they come to your website, somehow it, it knows it's that person. But it's also the other side, which is the personalized data that a lot of places are collecting to better market to us, which I know for somebody like you is scares the hell out of you. For somebody like me, I'm like, well, we're in marketing. We want that data. But at the Listen, same time, I don't want any all of my data out there. All I know is they like to watch, and I'm not getting paid for it. So I do kind of begrudge them that a little bit. Well, I told you how you could fix that earlier. You right. Could, well, you could put Parker on a webcam show, and you'd be all set. Well, as as a small aside, Tumblr is apparently getting rid of a whole boatload of content and content providers uh, who like to show themselves naked on camera. Um, and they were invited over by Pornhub. Well, and, and I think that that's an interesting thing that's happening over there is they're trying to, quote unquote, clean up their platform. And I don't know that that's necessarily – I understand why they're doing it because obviously they want to gear towards a bigger market. But I think it's a really weird move so late to the game. Like Yeah, I mean, uh, these companies have, and I guess these are some digital trends, uh, these companies <laughs> yeah. each have a reputation. You have these Tumblr people that are one corner of the internet, you got the people on Reddit, and then you got the people on 4chan, and then there's Snapchat where they went IPO and there's basically no product there other than people trying to uh, be product influencers or something. Well, and I th- I think, like you said, a lot of this is digital trends, and I think what's interesting is it's really all about the data. I think that's the biggest digital trend that's going to continue to move into 2019. It's all about how much data can we get. And I think 
looking at Tumblr, they're looking at, okay, we're, we're having a whole area that's missing because we have to keep these people out of this area or we don't want them there or they don't want to come there because there's all of this stuff going on. It's funny because you mentioned Pornhub and Pornhub has put out some ridiculous like data and um, gra- or what the graphics. analytics. Yeah, analytics and infographics. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. All, all these crazy things. And I laugh because people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe Pornhub would do that. And it's like, no, Pornhub is like any other digital company. They are collecting data, which obviously will scare the hell out of some people if they don't realize that. But they're no different than any other digital company. It is about data. That's right. why these companies exist. And and the interesting thing is, I mean, Pornhub will – they should consider rebranding at some point because I guess their platform is very robust and it's not – it doesn't go through the nightmare of transitions that we see on YouTube like demonetizing channels or, you know, uh, blocking certain content or all that. Pornhub welcomes all, I guess. I, I You know, so – it's they may want to consider a rebrand or a spin-off brand if they don't already have it where you can post content and not and still have it monetized i mean youtube we have the seven-year-old who made 22 million dollars oh don't don't give me that that (laughs) seven-year-old did not make that money and first of all you have to be 13 to even use the platform so all these people come out saying that that child made all this money Get your head out of your butt because that kid made none of that money. His parents made all of that money. Oh, yeah, I know. Child labor laws and all that. But the kid's a product, so I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Maybe, absolutely. Maybe, maybe it's worth looking into adopting and getting buying some toys. I'm telling but, you right now, that thing laying behind you is a marketing piece if I've ever seen one. Oh, well, he's just sleeping right now. I mean, <laughs> these adoptable dogs, I, I don't know. Anyway, digital trends, these are worth talking about. People are making money. People are looking at how to analyze our digital trends, whether it's uh, mobile, whether it's in learning, um, in personalization, time of need type of stuff. So it's all great. Um, And uh, what what, we'll do is we'll actually post a link to the actual uh, digital trend survey because if you take the survey, you can actually get a copy of the results sent to you by email. And I know both of us signed up for that because I'm interested to see what what the results will be. It, it goes into personalization. It goes into AI. It goes into machine learning. A lot of things that my clients aren't even really looking at yet, but I'm well aware of because I like to stay up on tech. So it's going to be interesting to see where the trends are going. And again, um, the demographic thing comes into play too. You being much closer to a major city may see that some of your clients are much more prone to use some of this technology. Me being in upstate New York, kind of away from major city, I I lag a little bit behind some of that stuff. So it's interesting to see because obviously trends are trends. They're not the norm. They're not the expected. It's just the trend. So we'll, we'll have a copy of that survey in there. And one of my biggest questions about all the stuff they postulate, how are they... Which companies are going to make this stuff accessible to the layman? And is it going to be us who try and make some of these technologies accessible, um, especially the artificial intelligence that they were kind of pushing through throughout the survey? So if you take the survey, deadline for completion is December 17th. I hope they push it out maybe through the end of the year. It'd be nice if they actually do that. But um, 
some of our listeners, I'd love to see you guys get in on this too. Yeah, absolutely. So the news item that I have, if you're in the design creative fields at all, you, you probably already know this. Pantone has announced its color of the year this year, and it is called Living Coral. Um, really interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very coral-looking color, and it is definitely a beautiful color. But I always love when they come out with these because they come out with some really interesting videos, and they talk about how it applies to not only like the printing and the paint uh, aspect of Pantone, but also they have a big um, threads and, and clothing and stuff like that that they deal with as well. Also, what I laugh is I, I have Pantone books that are a couple years old, and I still use the old PMS system. The numbers now are so off the wall, it's ridiculous. Like, this is actually called 16-1546. Like, it's like, okay. Um, let's see if it hits. And, and the best thing is, if you go to the site, you could see, like, the last so many years of colors. They've been doing this for a while. But it's, it is funny because they come up with some really interesting names for these colors. And Living Coral is definitely an interesting name for the color. Um, let's see, what does it say? So the color of the year selection process requires thoughtful consideration and trend analysis. To arrive at the selection each year, Pantone's color experts at Pantone Color Institute comb the world of new color influences. This can be included. This can include the entertainment industry, films and production, travel art and collections, new artists, fashion, and all areas of design. So they basically go out and see what what color is probably the most used, or the most prominent, or the most liked in the area, or in the areas of different creativity. So it's just an interesting thing that they're the they're the top dog when it comes to color anybody that deals with design knows pantone and knows what pantone colors are so this is just a way for them to kind of market a specific color what degree do you need to have this role i have no idea i i honestly don't i i now i understand the mixing having been been in printing that the mixing of inks and the mixing of colors to get specific colors is a very scientific thing picking the color of the year to me just seems like an excuse to travel a lot and talk to a lot of people but i'm sure there's a science behind it as well uh, yeah like a dartboard um so that <laughs> as an offshoot because apparently we're all about tangents today um you'll see in the slack channel i just created uh just responded with pantone the game now if you ever what? bought a pantone swatch book um this may be a good cheap alternative because this thing's about $13, or not $13, $30. Um, and it's a Pantone game from Cryptozoic. Um, it was one of my, it was a prize, a door prize I used for B&I because it's related to color and graphic design. Um, but it's a party game where you use colors to kind of uh, associate to characters. Huh. And I'm wondering if this is the cheaper alternative to a Pantone book. <laughs> i love it you buy the game instead of the panto don't tell them that but that is hilarious it looks like it's fun um i had bought it as a gift for someone uh in the door prize i'm probably going to pick this up myself too 
Well, here's my question. The person that got the door prize, did they understand what it was? I hope so. I don't know. I always do game. <laughs> Whenever I do my uh, 10 minute and do, do a door prize, I always do a game, whether it's somehow related to design. So I usually do a storytelling game for concept creation, you know, like apples to apples or whatever. Uh, this was color, so kind of works. You, you, you make my, my door price seem so pathetic. Oh, it's, what do you oh. do, a gift card to Duncan? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're fired. Oh, God. That's uh, the, funny. But this is the, awesome. The rules <laughs> of door prizes are no gift cards, no alcohol, no scratch tickets. I mean, the gift cards are just lazy. Yes, they are. And For shame. It, I, I'll be honest with you, we're lucky we have them most of the time for, <laughs> for door prizes, so at least yeah. I got the group to that point. But this is really cool. I yeah. will definitely check this out. I agree. I'll probably be picking this up myself just so that I can nerd out and drive all of my friends nuts to come over for game night because they're going to be like, what the hell are we playing? <laughs> so I picked this one up at Barnes & Noble. Um, and if you have the Barnes & Noble... Um, membership card and their their 20 percent discount for the season you can get it for, for like 23 dollars something nice. like that yeah so yeah we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well and i'll probably put it under the recommendations category so you could you find it there but that that's pretty cool i like that i did not know this exists so that's awesome so now, now that we've gone all over the place today with the news let's go into our uh main topic and our main topic and i wanted to do this because a lot of people are talking about it and and of course because of thanksgiving having been a couple of weeks ago a lot of people are talking about being grateful and having gratitude and things like that and i, and I it is cliche it, it is kind of an easy way out but i kind of wanted to pair it with something else which is being patient um if you follow gary uh, Vanderchuk at all, Gary V, you will know that he talks about patience all the time. So I thought what we'd talk about is how gratitude and patience have played a role in our businesses and what what has happened with our businesses because we know how much it is important to focus on those things. So one of the things that I wanted to start with, especially dealing with gratitude, was the fact that I, I feel very fortunate with the type of business that I do that I can travel and continue to do my business. And as I said at the beginning of the show, I was traveling a lot in November. I was probably on the road three out of the four weeks in November. And part of that was because uh, my mother had uh, knee surgery and knee replacement surgery. I wanted to be there to help her during that, to help my dad out with things around the house and to kind of just be there to be comforting, to say, hey, you know, I'm here to be supportive. But the best part was I could continue to do my business from their house. As long as I have my laptop and I have an internet connection, I can do my business. And I am very, very grateful that I'm able to do that. And it's nice to have that because when I get frustrated, uh, for example, like I, I do uh, layout production for a publication and it can get really, really frustrating doing that because it can be some long hours that production day. And I'm talking 12 to 16 hours that just that day. And it can get really frustrating because 
I hate working real late and, and it drags on and things like that. But I was down there doing this project down at my parents and I took a deep breath and I sat there and said, you know what? You're not at home. You're not away from your family. You're able to be, even though you're working, you're still able to be here and be supportive. And I think it's important that as we do business, even if it's freelance and you're doing it on the side, to take a moment to say, hey, I'm grateful that I can do A or I'm grateful that I have B. For example, like I'm grateful that I'm able to have a business that's successful enough to have a desktop computer and have a laptop and be able to use that laptop to travel. I, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to work in an office downtown when I choose to because of the relationships I have in my business that I have space down there that's open for me to use to have meetings and things like that. I'm grateful for the fact that I work for myself and I don't answer to anybody else other than my clients on a daily basis. I look in the mirror and say, okay, what am I going to do today? I'm also really grateful that there's some days I can look in the mirror and go, I don't want to do anything today and I don't have to unless there's a deadline. It's really nice to be able to sit back and have that gratitude. And I think it's really, really important to remember that because that positivity will attract more positivity. And part of why I wanted to talk about this was the patient side too, but we'll, we'll get into that for a second. But I know there's a lot of things that you're grateful for with where you are in your business right now and the fact that your business has taken the path that it has taken. Me, I made the leap and basically jumped off the edge of a cliff and hoped that my parachute would open. And believe me, for a year, that parachute had not opened and I'm grateful it finally did. You took a different path. So why don't you talk about the difference in the path that you took and some of the things that you're grateful for in how your path went about. Sure. Um, so I was uh, very planful in my approach in the overabundance of being planful, but it was the right time for picking the moment to kind of leap out there. Um, so I've been very, very patient. You've been listening to me for the last five years say, I'd like to work for myself. I started out as powder keg graphic design, and then I started Holy Carp um, based off a concept and um, was doing it part-time with my B&I group for three years, building a foundation. Um, I had a foundation in skills that was being built up this whole time, too. Um, and then when several people from one of my former employers scattered to the four winds, they brought my name with me, with them, um, and I kind of hit critical mass. I, they were saying, we need you for more hours, and uh, we're willing to pay you for those that time, pay you uh, five times what you make working for someone else. And that temptation was there, and I, I finally said, okay, I quit. <laughs> but I did it with such gratitude to my former employers um, that I made myself available and open and, um, I, I showed enough initiative in caring what would happen to their business with removing me from the equation. I made it a win-win for both of us. And we talk about this in leadership training. How do you make a situation a win-win for both the client and yourself? 
I um, think that's an interesting thing that you just said. You said that you showed gratitude towards your former, former employers by making yourself available, basically. Yeah. I think that we always, everybody always talks about don't burn your bridges because you never know what that could be. But sometimes things happen where you're not happy with that employer and you have to step away. But I think that was really interesting for you to say that because a lot of people don't think about that. Don't think about where they are, especially in a creative field. Have you it, ever written a letter of resignation along with a proposal for doing business uh, contract? I, I <laughs> that was the first. But that's me. awesome. Yeah, I mean that's an awesome opportunity to have, and that's where it is really important to show that gratitude because. You don't want to come across as arrogant and say, you know, well, well, of course you need me. It, it's important to realize that, yes, they do need you, and, that, and it is good to feel good about that. But it's important to realize that you, especially if you've worked somewhere for a good amount of time, you have built your skills up because you've worked for that employer, and you've learned things because you've worked for that employer. So it's important to look at that and have that gratitude. So it's really interesting to hear you say that. Right. And along with all that, it also was as seamless as that tr transition could be because within this or uh, this particular business, there were people that didn't even know I left or, or, or the date I actually left. Six months later, they're like, so are you full time with us? I said, no, I've been doing this part time since November <laughs> of last <laughs> year. Yeah. And, I, and that's awesome because that shows that you continue to do the work at the level that they thought you were still full-time with them. Right. And the, so there's the patient side of things. Waiting for the moment is right. That's something that I, I had in spades. And then there was the gratitude. Gratitude to the people that I had been moving on from, but keeping a relationship open. Gratitude to the people that scattered and created the opportunities for me. And um, just showing that appreciation, not... Not just verbally. I also, um, one of the things I'm trying to do is uh, I've got these cheerleaders across the country. Um, and you've met some of them at my wedding. You're one yes. of them. Yes. Um, and these are people that give my name out freely and, and offer up my services. Um, and I want to celebrate those, especially given the holiday season. So I'm looking to try and be appreciative both verbally as well as, you know, here's a little thank you from, from me to you. Um, and I think one of the things that you do that I think is important that I'm trying to be better about is the thank you note. That I mean, that is 100% gratitude is sending out a thank you note, whether it's to a client or whether it's to a new business contact. Like I've recently did it for somebody who I found out was in BNI in a different area met with me and I just wrote a simple handwritten note that said, Hey, thank you for taking the time to meet with me and I appreciate it. And I hope that we have an opportunity to do business together. It, it's as much as it is to make them feel good. I, I am feeling more and more in my own life that putting that gratitude out there brings back positivity, brings back more business, brings back things that you really want to see happen. If you appreciate what you have and appreciate the things that are going on around you, more of that will happen. Right. And I will say, don't be shy for asking for something back in gratitude, whether it be a, a review on Google 
um, just openly saying, hey, we've done business together. Would you mind just leaving a little link, uh, message for me on Google just for other people? Or um, asking people for a, a connection, a mutual connection within the company. Keep keep up to date on who you know on LinkedIn within system, client systems that you want to start working with. Or, um, you know, just asking for a referral or see if they have uh, needs that you can help them with. Um, give That's that funny. gratitude and request, you know, kind of fish, but be open in, in that request. That's funny because I hadn't even thought about that side of gratitude, which is... <laughs> asking for gratitude from your clients. That's funny because we don't talk about that enough. We, we Obviously, we talk about referrals and stuff like that, but I think a lot of creatives fall short in asking for that review, asking for that testimonial, and that is gratitude. Maybe a little forced, but if they're honest in that testimonial and review, then that's gratitude as well. So that's an interesting way of, of looking at gratitude. Well, that, that's the thing. Um, it doesn't have to be so awkward. We had one of our initiatives in our BNI group in our network was let's start leaving reviews for the people that we've actually done work with within the group, the tier one referrals. And um, our uh, membership committee member introduced this idea. And then she led by example. She's a client of mine who I've done brochures for. She left my Google link in the chain email, and I got four four reviews out of that. And then I started leaving reviews for other people, not for the ones that gave me reviews. That'd be a little too obvious to the Google search engine, right. but to other people in the group. Now you start this whole um, feedback chain, and if you, if you keep going it, growing it forward, you may be actually may be able to just help support and raise the waters of the rest of that group. So. I have a question for you in regards to gratitude. Do you have any type of system in place or any type of routine or anything that you do dealing with gratitude? No, it's just trying to have a mindful approach to it. Okay. Um, and I, in the back of my head, I know, hey, it's been a while since I've thanked so-and-so. I actually should reach out because it's been kind of radio silence since the summer. So. I actually need to talk to them, not just to go fishing for business, but to know how things have gone with them. It was a pretty extensive project. How is it working for them? Is it working? Is it something they can use? Um, what's next for them? What's their goals for the next year? I think, again, what you said was interesting is to be careful with gratitude to not make it targeted. Like, Don't be showing gratitude towards a client just to get more business really be genuine about that gratitude because people can read right through when you're saying thank you just to get more business right um but the reason i asked you that question is i i have a thing that i i try to do i did it for about a month every day and and it seemed to really change my thought process on things there are a lot of people out there that say Every morning when you get up or every night before you go to bed, write down three things that you're thankful for, that you have gratitude for. And when I did that for 30 days, it was interesting how some of the small things that used to irritate me didn't seem to irritate me as much because in the back of my mind, I had that list of three things that said, you know what? Noises around my apartment shouldn't annoy me as much because I'm fortunate enough that I can work from home. 
So it's like it, it became a way to counteract the negativity that I was seeing. And I think that's why there's such a push with it right now for being thankful for what you have, because we both know we are very fortunate to, to work for ourselves because there's a lot of people that work for other people that struggle every day to get mm -hmm. up and go to work or struggle every day just to make things meet at the end of the week because they don't get paid a lot of money and they do struggle. And we're thankful that we work for ourselves and have the opportunity to do that because of technology, because of our skill set and things like that. Uh, so I, I think it's important that especially younger designers, as they're going through the process of building a freelance career or building a business, that they remember where they came from, that they're thankful for the clients that they have, that they're thankful for the ability to do what they do, and use that positivity to help push them forward through the crappy projects, through the non-payments, through the difficult clients, the red flags, the things like that, because ultimately, I think most of us have a lot to be thankful for, a lot more than the stuff that's negative. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind. The other end I wanted to talk about was the patience, which you touched on a little bit with how you got to where you are in your career. The fact that you didn't make the leap in the same way that I did, that you're your career has been very structured and very planned to get to where you wanted to get to. And I think you couldn't do that unless you were patient. You couldn't make that transition unless you said to yourself, okay, it's not going to be tomorrow. Like you joined BNI as Holy Carp, even though you were still working for somebody else full time. If that doesn't show patience, I don't know what does, because nobody loves getting up early in the morning and going to a B&I meeting, especially for a side gig. And I'll be honest right. with you, mo most people wouldn't, because they're like, that's a hell of an investment, because there's the money investment as well as the time investment to something that's a side gig. So I think you really displayed that patience by doing that. Well, some, you know, you, you got to recognize the things that come before you that are good opportunities. So yes, I did pay for B&I my first year, but then these opportunities to start serving in the leadership roles yeah. first as growth coordinator, that's um, a role that's a hard role, but uh, it's there's no compensation. Um, and then once you get to the front of the room, I was in a leadership training company and then offered a role within the front of the room uh, in the top three seats that get you paid for the next year. So I served two years on that. So I haven't had paid for those two years, but I had to serve. And some of that gratitude that I had for the BNI group, for them mentoring me along the way, I was able to give back a little bit too. Yeah, that's really cool. And one of the things that and B&I is a perfect example of, of needing to be patient because one of the things I think a lot of people find when they join a networking group, whether it's the Chamber or Elites group or B&I or something like that, they get frustrated in the first six months because they're like, well, I'm not seeing the referrals I want or I'm not getting the leads I want and I'm not getting the business I want. And it's like, well, people need to learn to trust you and you need to build those relationships. And I think – that was something that B and I really helped me understand is that because a lot of what they teach you in B and I is a lot of your referrals will be internal, will be people in the group because 
they want to learn that they can trust you before they refer you to people that they work with. They want to build that trust. I think that goes along outside of BNI, of course, as well, where you're not going to get a thousand clients your first year. If you do, you're probably going to like bury yourself. But if you do, that's great. But I can probably guarantee you're not going to unless you're in a really unique situation. You're going to have to build it. And I know for myself, the, like I said, I had to be patient because I had to wait for that parachute to open after I made that leap. And it mm-hmm. was a scary time because I didn't know if I was going to have the money. I had to work really hard to make my bills and I had to work really hard to keep my business afloat. But because I had patience and said, I'm not looking to make a million dollars in two years. I'm I'm looking to have a career I put the work in and I pushed through it. And I think that's the thing that Gary talks about a lot. Gary Vaynerchuk talks about a lot because he deals with a lot of kids that are in their teens and their 20s that are like, well, I've been doing this for a year and I haven't made any money. And he looks at him and he laughs and he said, you know, I'm in my 40s and it took a long time for me to get to where I am. And he said, I would love to have the knowledge that you can have now in your 20s when I was in my 20s. Be patient. Yes, and that includes Gary B. He was saying in his 20s, he worked every Saturday. Yep. Every Saturday. Um, And and he looked at Monday as a new opportunity each week. So um, he's got the hustle and he's, uh, he's good at mentoring. He's probably the only Snapchat worth watching. <laughs> yes, and it is interesting. Like he has definitely figured out how to. Well, going back to digital trends and what we we're talking about in the news, he is definitely on the top of figuring out what the trends are. Yeah, um, I I just think it's really important for younger designers and and even people at our level to be patient. Like it even comes down to smaller things. Like if you're working on a major project and you don't get an answer right away, don't throw your hands up and get mad. Like be patient because there's other people on the other end having to deal with things. Now, at some point that patience does run out and I understand that. And you do have to say, okay, this is a cutoff point. But you can't get upset immediately. You got to give it time and you got to let things grow. I'm laughing because I like those moments of peace where they don't get back to me. <laughs> yeah. There, there because I'm yeah, going on yeah. to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I think that that's why I wanted to talk about these two subjects is because gratitude is really important in looking at where you've come from. Don't look back and look at the negative stuff look back and look at the good things think about where you've come from and how hard you've worked and and how you've managed to do the things that you've done and be thankful for those things because if you are you attract more of that Mm -hmm. the patience thing goes right along with that is use the gratitude to help with your patience when you're frustrated and you're banging your head against the wall about a project or about a client, be grateful for all the ones that you have that aren't that way. Be grateful for all the projects that you have completed that have taught you the things of how to deal with 
the difficult clients or the difficult projects. But more importantly, be patient in your business. In almost all cases, businesses do not thrive overnight. There's a reason why 80% plus fail within the first year, if not more, because they, a lot of it is because they lose the patience. Some of it, yes, is they run out of money. Sometimes, like I said, your patience runs out. You can be as patient as you want, but if you don't have the money, that can, <laughs> yeah. that could change the situation. That is true. But a lot of people do get frustrated when things don't work right away and they throw their hands up in the air and they give up. Having that patience helps you not give up. So hopefully you guys can understand why these are such important topics and why you probably have seen a lot about it in the last year is because I think a lot of people are realizing how important that is to business, especially if you work for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we jump into this week's rookie recommendations? So mine this week, just because we're all about Pantone this week, I have the Pantone color finder, which is an online tool to find colors and figure out what Pantone number they are. And what's really cool about this is they have all of their guides and specifically what those guides have to do with, like graphic design. Some of them are fashion and textiles and home decor. So, like, for example, a lot of times I will use the uh, coded and uncoded formula guides And you can click on them and you can just hover over the color that kind of gives you an idea what you want and see what number it is. So I thought this was kind of cool because I was thinking you could send this to a client to pick colors out that they like. Or to sit down with a client and say, hey, let's, let's look through here. Like what colors do you like that we could use on your branding or your logo or your brochure? So I thought this was a really interesting tool. You can change how big the the chips are, which is the squares. You can, you can decide whether there's spacing or not. Um, you can do light and dark theme. So that could sometimes help, to, especially if you're doing um, UI so it's design. Like, kind of like the Kuler uh, tool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. What I thought was interesting is there's hue aspects. See, like you can color like everything that's like a reddish hue. I want to see all those or anything that's like a bluish hue. I want to see all those, so it kind of helps you sort it. Um, You can sort it by the Pantone book, which sometimes I think is the weirdest way to sort things because it's not from light to dark. It's like light to dark, light to dark, light to dark, Mm -hmm. depending on like 10 cubes or 8 cubes or whatever. Um, You can sort it by hue groups, which I think is a cool way of doing it, going back to the whole hue idea. uh, That it looks like you can... Oh, so there's the one I was talking about where it's like basically... It goes in color smoothness. so But it, it's such a cool tool because I think it's it's a hell of a lot easier than pulling out those books. Now, from a print perspective, those books are important to what I do because those, pr- those printed chips are printed chips. Again, everything yeah. you're seeing on this screen is RGB representation of those PMS colors. Mm-hmm. What I have is 
formula books is the CMYK version or the Pantone version because they're the actual PMS colors printed on those books, which is why they're so expensive. So there is a little bit of skew because if you look at the same thing that's a Pantone color in print and you look at it on the screen, there may be a slight change. Some of them can be more drastic than others. But this color finder just gives you a good tool to use to kind of push you in a direction with a client or with a project you're working on. And is it free? It is free. All right. I'm in. Yeah. there's There's a search function too if you have a specific color name or code. Because like I said, there's some crazy codes for Pantone colors. Um, and then you can also convert. So if you have – so basically say I've got a CMYK representation and I want to figure out what that translates closely to for a Pantone chip, I can do that. So like I'm looking at a blue right now that I put in. It's 100 for CIN, 50 for magenta, 25 yellow, 20 black. If I do a search, it can give you the best match for that CMYK representation as a Pantone color chip, and it can give you alternates as well. Now, I'll be honest with you, none of these are even close to what I put in. Right. But, that, well, but that's a blue. Blue Blues can, are really tough. You can find similar uh, – I mean, Adobe will do that inside – the software yep. as well, but it won't give you that whole system of colors as you know robust as as you get. Well, I thought um, the alternates were interesting that it gives you yeah. a couple different alternates. For my recommendation, um, this is a trend that's happening everywhere. There are different companies doing this, and there it's are, really really scary. Yes. <laughs> Mistakes shall be made because it involves beer. Well, not and only beer, but sharp objects. Axes, specifically. <laughs> axes, beer and axes. Um, so there's this, uh, I don't know, uh, the regulators must be asleep because <laughs> there are beer and axes being available um, at this place called Urban Axes, which is opening up just outside of Boston. It is a um, chain, actually, uh, yep. where people can drink and throw axes. Sounds great. <laughs> I mean, the only place I knew that we were doing that was at King Richard's Fair in, uh, in, uh, during the fall. Hey, but now hey, I can hey. do it year-round. You realize that I live in upstate New York. Yeah. That happens a lot where I come from, too, except they don't have the production the protection that these guys have in place, which is the separated no, areas. No, the insurance plan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, this place just opened up in Somerville, Mass. I'm going to check it out and report back. It looks like fun. Um, other trends going on include destruction rooms. Uh, that's another thing where you just – that came out of Japan where you just have a room of stuff and you just destroy it. Not very good oh for recycling, I guess. No, but, well, it could be because it breaks everything down for you. <laughs> right, that's true, but it's the whole sorting thing afterwards. So, Urban Axis, that's my recommendation, and I'm sticking to it. So, it looks like they have Philadelphia, Austin, Baltimore's open now, Cincinnati's coming in the winter, and then Boston. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I will never forget when I first saw this. And, and so the thing is, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then you posted that, oh, they serve beer. And I went, what? No, <laughs> those two do not go together safely. <laughs> but we, I, we all need a little risk in our life, especially uh, with the zombie apocalypse coming. Well, you know that's what this is all about, training how to protect yourself. Right. Put, put down your beer and kill that zombie, would you? <laughs> Can't drink the water. That's what made them zombies. That, that's true. Yes, that is very true. Got to put it through a still. <laughs> oh, that's a great recommendation. I definitely oh, want to oh, check that, one of those does remind out. me of something that we shouldn't recommend. If you're watching, um, what is it, Walking Dead, just stop. It's done. <laughs> I I try, I think I finished last season, and I, I have you done. Yeah, it's that's over. What I've heard. That's it's what over. I've heard. I mean, the the major A list actors couldn't even be bothered to go through this whole season. They didn't even make it to the the freaking mid season finale, which is another thing that annoys me. But yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I I haven't really gotten into it. This, this season and yet. They do a time jump starting out a year later between seasons, and then they do a six-year time jump. Oh, jeez. You know yeah. what? Do your time jump backwards and start watching the other one, which is Fear of the Walking Dead. No, no. We'll do our time ju- jump backwards, and we'll let Shane live instead. That would change everything. Instead, I like that. Let Shane live instead. I mean, Shane would probably sound like, I'm trying to remember his voice, that probably sound like Batman when he yells at Carl. Well, but he's the Punisher. Oh, yeah, that's true. In Marvel. So, it, it yeah, that's not that. Don't even get me started on the whole Marvel Netflix thing going on where they keep canceling the damn shows, but we'll talk right. about that another time. All, All right. right I, th- I think we have gone off the rails a little bit with our tangents. So, do you have anything else before we close out? I'm not telling another story today. <laughs> okay. So, remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. 